So is she, do you think she's cleaning? No. I think she's downstairs making wreaths. Did I tell you that the lady who lives underneath me, like, professionally make makes wreaths? You didn't, but that's a very Kentucky thing to do. It's like a very Kentucky white lady thing to do. Like, it's, like, kind of strange to me. Ugh. So yeah. are we going to just start off the top with South Dakota shenanigans? Um... Probably. South Dakota was just so full of shenanigans, and I'm not really sure what off the top is when it comes to the level of fuckery that South Dakota presented us with. South Dakota had us severely fucked up, Amari. I think Wyoming was a lot worse than that, but I think the first mistake in South Dakota was pretty much our fault. But how? Oh yeah, that's because we didn't plan. Yeah. Not at all. It was just kind of like we get there when we get there, and we had stopped to see the the dignity statue, and we sat there for a hot minute and just kind of looked around. And we took pictures and whatnot before we headed over to the Badlands. Yeah, which perhaps wasn't a good idea because then we arrived there super late. I just don't. I don't even remember what time we got there. Uh, yeah, I just think that we hadn't quite gotten our routine of timing down by then because after that we pretty much got our hours down, the way that we were going to, the way that we were going to travel and things, and we kind of got like a routine. And I think we had made the assumption that because we were arriving pretty late in the season that there wouldn't be anybody else out there or there would be a space that we would be able to pay for later. Uh, and that wasn't the gate the case because people that have RVs just kind of show up and just camp out wherever, whenever. And like, there are no designated spots for, like, tent only, which kind of sucks. And the thing is, is that that is a more recent thing. Now that campers and traveling and your retirement are becoming more popular, it used to not be as accessible, right? But now that it is, you're seeing an increase of traffic later in the season because people are literally living full seasons except for three months in these campers. Mm-hmm. Wait it out, too. They wait till it snows and until park rangers are like, all right, time for you to go. Yeah. So we didn't plan accordingly and arrived incredibly late and there was no darkness like darkness in the badlands oh yeah that was another big problem is um sometimes websites well no it's not just that it's just that the website wasn't updated and they didn't tell us that there was going to be construction on like half of the campsites there so when we got there there was already everybody was already at capacity half of the campsites at this huge national park were being bulldozed so there was nowhere for us to go and drove around in a circle until we found because it was like absurdly early in the morning it was literally 1 30 a.m or some shit i don't think it was 1 30 i think we got there at like 10 o'clock yeah no we pitched the tent by like 11 we got kicked out by like 1 30 we were kicked out within a half an hour 45 minutes of getting there it was almost one in the morning <laughs> anyways it was pretty upsetting because we basically drove around the spot continuously looking for any place that we could have camped and we found the only site that was open was this one kind of it was a pool and play that had it was for that day and checkout was the next day around so we figured oh these people didn't show up to their camp space 
for the day. Yeah. Well, the park is way closed. They don't have gates down or anything because people were sleeping there. But it was so dark, I couldn't fathom anybody else driving down the canyon. And on top of that, like, it figured, okay, if you paid to be there that day, and you only had paid for that day, and it was, like, checkout was the next day by, like, 9, 10 o'clock, they're like, okay, well, if they didn't arrive now, then they are probably not going to arrive. And oh, how wrong. Yeah. Uh, so they pulled up at 2 o'clock in the morning, and they were like, this is our reserve site. We'll go then, you know. And I felt bad because they had this van, and it had kids in it and everything. So we went up, was like, do you guys need help pitching your tent first? Like, because this is obviously our mistake. He was like, no, our van is a pop-out. And that's the day that I decided that I hated people in campers. Yeah, and that would not be the first time that somebody in a camper decided to kick us out of the spot. Right, and the thing is, is that they weren't even going to sleep on the patch of grass. Like, hey, y'all, dick move, but we're in a pop-out. We'll talk about money in the morning. And then we could have just comped them and paid for the spot that we slept in. But they literally used it as a parking space to sleep for the night and took up an entire camping site that they didn't use it for. Yeah, and on top of that, like, it's really late in the day, and so you're basing that spot to sleep. There's a lot of the sites that you can pay ahead of time and renew. There's usually almost always somebody directly behind you, so if you're not paying for multiple days ahead of time, in places like the Badlands or, like, Yellowstone especially, yeah, then you can't guarantee that spot the next day. No. No, not at all. Uh, especially at popular parks. And there were some big ones, I think we mentioned it maybe last episode, Devil's Garden, we couldn't even get into because people pay months ahead of time. And the thing is, is that most state and national parks used to be first come, first serve, which is the way that I prefer it. It's become kind of a vacationing thing for more privileged people. This is happening more often where folks who have the ability to have access to the internet on the road can do things like reserve a spot for them in their three campers they don't use any of the land plots around them and then regular car campers end up having to sleep in their cars in the parking lot and that's not an exaggeration either because we were not the only people who did that yeah but in utah one of the places that stopped in or attempted to stop in had closed early and so it was one of those situations put your payment in an envelope and then you stick it in the slot well um we're not going to mention all of that but uh somebody who had reserved that same spot online showed up in two rvs like literally popped up two rvs kicked us and the woman next to us out yeah and he reserved it you kind of get situations like that where you don't have somebody um at the front desk that you can give the payment directly to and then update it directly online even if you do like put your money in an envelope and leave that for your space if somebody reserves it online like you get kicked out yeah and which is bullshit because if you have campers people who are in campers are going to be mad when we say this but you can sleep in your camper much more comfortably than we can in the front seats of our car or much more comfortably than people who are backpacking on their bikes across the country sometimes maybe share other people are not super scary and had we had any really big spots at one of the really crowded places i would offer to let somebody else pitch a tent next to us luckily we were never in a situation where it was quite that crowded when everybody's living on the road have a little bit of cooperation you know you know vibe with your fellow travelers a little and it does make a 
really difficult too because when we were um, in Oregon, for example, one of the spots that we had picked basically fell along the, P- the PCT. And so they had really good rates where it would be if you're an RV, you pay the most, cars pay a little bit less, bicyclists pay less, and then hikers themselves pay the lowest amount. And I think that's between five to seven dollars. Yeah. But RVs take up nearly every space. So if you are a tent camper, or if you are a bicyclist, or if heaven forbid you are a hiker, hiking even a portion of the trail, if not the whole portion, you're going to be hard pressed to find a spot. And you're going to be extremely hard pressed to find a spot. And I know a lot of people are going to be like, well, then why don't you just plan ahead better? Well, I don't know whether or not you've ever traveled, but that is virtually impossible. Like, shit happens. You're going to have to change the time of something. And if you don't have access to the internet or, like, a solid connection because you don't have a Wi-Fi hotspot because you're not in a house on wheels, it's a lot harder to find a place to be. Whereas if you are in a Wi-Fi hot, if you do have a Wi-Fi hotspot and you are in a house on wheels, you can park that somewhere and be completely safe. But... A lot of other people don't really have that option. And state parks and national parks are made affordable so that all of the American public can enjoy them. And, of course, traveling has always been elitist and privileged. But now because so many people are, like, dominating the space physically with these big, fancy machines, it's becoming actually physically inaccessible to people who cannot buy these things. Yeah, and when we camped in Colorado, too, um, obviously we couldn't camp in, like, the Great Sand Dunes because people had reserved those spots ahead of time, but we found a free little spot next to it. But there was a list of campsites that were tent-accessible because everything else was basically meant for RVs. Yeah, and we understand that that's how state parks get a lot of money But it would be nice if there was just, like, a little bit less constantly catering to that. Uh, We need space for both, and we probably need a different design on how spaces are used for campsites. So that you can fit people who are in campers, but they necessarily don't need the giant amounts of green space for a tent if they're not putting up a tent. And that's my gripe for the day. <laughs> Anyways, yeah. Be considerate of one another. If you're in a camper and it's storming really badly and you notice some regular people in a car are going to get stuck, just be like, yo, we have all this green space. You can pitch your tent. We can lock the doors in this giant metal wheelhouse. We're not worried, Namin. I don't know. Move over a little bit. Share some space. Everybody else does it. You can too. Anyways, I'm Jordan Marika, and that's Amari McGowan, and this is Rambler. Indeed it is, and we do ramble a lot and complain a lot, but that's okay. I have a lot of gripes. We care a lot about ecological social justice things. So what what other shenanigans did we get into? We can talk about the KOA. Oh yeah, so here's the thing. I'm not really a huge fan of for more for-profit campsites because they aren't necessarily of any better quality than state or national parks, but they're also three times as expensive. Like, literally, at least twice as expensive. Paid, what, 46 for two nights? 
Yeah. For a night? No, it was $46 for one night. It was $46 for one night, oh yeah, at the KOA. Mm-hmm. So, if you factor in camping at a national park, that's like 25 bucks, $20. Sometimes even just 15 Moving everything around, huh? Yeah, sorry. You're good. But, um, the KOA was super expensive to just kind of be trapped around RVs. And the cowboy couple next door, but I'm okay with them. That was a very strange happenstance. It was very strange. They just had matching button-down shirts on. They had cute little boots, and they both had their little cowboy hats, and they had this fucking enormous fire. Probably too big for those South Dakota winds. Yeah. But I, I liked just looking at them. I was just like, wow... What's your story? How did you... I'll never know, but I'm going to make up a backstory in my head. Maybe I'll write a little, like, fan fiction story of the two of them. <laughs> Maybe they'll... I don't know. I don't think they were, like, cattle ranchers or anything. Maybe they just had, like, a cowboy aesthetic better. That's hilarious. But other than that, literally, it was just RVs everywhere in a tiny little spot. We did have showers, and that's literally the only reason why we picked it. You see, that's the problem, is because national parks normally don't have showers. It's the state parks that have showers. So, it's sometimes hard to find a place. If you need to go rent a a campsite, know that you're not going to have any place to wash. That's totally reasonable. But just remember, state parks have shower-only day prices. Blow through your state park. Give them seven bucks. Take your shower there. And we never utilize like trucker shower stations either no yeah we didn't utilize those but those are also an option if you're brave and or a man yeah we we avoided that for obvious brown girl reasons but but those are an option those are an option really large gas stations and whatnot which i think we only we only found one and we stopped there to get snacks you got a coffee at like 10 p.m yeah going through new mexico i want to say yeah well it's a good place to pick those things up because they oftentimes are like pretty big shopping centers oh yeah they had cookies everywhere i didn't get any but cookies and tons of coffee um i didn't want to risk the diarrhea on the road before we even made it to our destination but they had a shit ton of food mm-hmm. tons of drink options they had their showers yeah obviously the employees hated their lives but i mean i can't blame them i'm i can't blame them either honestly i can't imagine some of the things they probably hear and see people do there all day did you want to talk a little bit about South Dakota itself? It's really unsettling if you're from the Midwest. Yeah, I mean, it's like a deeper part of the Midwest that Heartlanders like ourselves don't understand, especially because in Akron and in Kent, we're technically in the Appalachian foothills, so we actually have some texture. Like, a lot of people, not as much as I would say are in other places, I'm not brag on the wonderful landscapes of Northeast Ohio or anything. But what I will say is, it's different than South Dakota. It's a lot different. So if you're kind of used to 
driving along the highway and you know you're basically in the hills and there are trees everywhere and you can't really see that far ahead of you because like right around the bend you know there are way more trees once you get into south dakota and you can see for miles and miles and miles out because the land is so flat you're kind of like um excuse me it gives you an eerie view on yourself in the universe it really does and you can just see these these thunderstorms miles out and you're kind of like that's a little bit freaky like i'm looking miles into the distance and i can see lightning touching down or i can see like the shadow of the rain well what's really cool about that is that when you get into the forested part at the far western part of south dakota you can kind of look back from where the Black Hills start out onto how flat the prairie is, and it's kind of a interesting juxtaposition. It really is. It's kind of scary. It makes me feel a little bit odd because the KOA that we stayed in was in Rapid City, South Dakota. Yeah, like in the and city. You can see the entire city just laid out before you. You're kind of like, guys, you're like out in the open. The you're- fuck? Your enemies could approach from anywhere. <laughs> Literally. It's just laid out with, like, the KOA. Like, you just looked out over this hill and you could just see the city. Lots of light pollution. Ugh. Lots of light pollution. It took away the joy. I lived in South Dakota for three and a half months when I was 18 or whatever. That's a story for another day. But... The stars out there are so pretty, and because there isn't very much light pollution outside of, like, its two main metropolitan areas, I was kind of pissed. You know what we forgot? What? Waldrug. Oh, man. Who could forget Waldrug? Waldrug was fun. Horrible water. Yeah. experience. And there are all of these billboards leading up to it so you're kind of like what the fuck is this place but here's the thing the the wall drug signs they don't like start near wall drug they for real start all the way out in like fucking milwaukee yeah and you're literally driving for two days across the prairie and just we at one point we were just yelling wall drug and then describing the signs to each other because we were just delirious from driving across the prairie all night i'd be like gold wall drug cowboy hats wall drug books and other knickknacks wall drug and it would be like the frequency of billboards in it- south dakota is ridiculous mm-hmm. it's just back to back to back to back and you just keep going because they have all that land <laughs> and then it's sunflowers and then it's another 10 um billboards and then it's more sunflowers and then another 10 billboards and it just keeps going and, and then going. it's the black hills yeah which is paha sapa yep yep a yep Pahasapa is actually one of those translations that actually went pretty well as far as translations for names of places go. Because it also literally just means Black Hills. So, Pahasapa is Lakota for Black Hills because um, that's the Black Hills are 
considered sacred to plains people. And one of the reasons that Pahasapa is considered sacred is because the tall pine trees are what are used for the traditional lodgings of plains people. So you would gather there during a certain time of year and you would harvest the older trees that were getting closer to dying rather than the new ones so that people could make new lodges to live in. So it was a whole relationship with this one specific area in the plains that a lot of people flocked to and consider sacred but uh our primary um like reference for that place of course is the big silly heads mount rushmore that's its name yeah i was just like what are you talking about and then i was like oh yeah white men's faces i i actually sometimes don't remember the name of that place we actually we didn't even bother going to mount rushmore no we went right up into the hills to, yeah, we went to Pactola Lake. Yeah, we went right up to the top, pretty close to the top, to Pactola Lake, and spent some time hiking around the lake and around um, a couple of trails up there. So, yeah, we were like an hour away from all that nonsense. Which was nice. Yeah. Yeah, we didn't even bother, which I have no regrets, and I don't really care. I've seen pictures online. I've seen pictures growing up. I've been there twice, but it's more like so that my parents could point out to us and be like, and this was once a perfectly good mountain. Then how was ruined. Yeah. But that's just so that my parents could be like, see guys, the man. <laughs> Fuck the man. <laughs> uh, but we were just talking earlier, too, about how difficult it is to get places renamed. Yeah. So even though it doesn't fall in South Dakota, it's technically in Wyoming. Um, something on the list of things to discuss was actually Devil's Tower. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which is currently, I, I believe it's currently in the process of being renamed to Bears Lodge. Yeah. Um, and I believe that proposal came, I think, in 2014. So this is this is a pretty new thing. But it's not one specific tribe that I read online that finds Bears Lodge to be, um, what would you say, like a significant like cultural point. Like there are 20 plus tribes. Yeah. It's a pretty big place for a lot of people, which is why there's been so many, so many legal battles over the way that this land is being used. And one of the main problems is that it's considered a sacred site. There are places there where people still tie prayer flags. It is regularly used. And they have expressly asked people to not climb all over everything. And yeah, yet that is what everybody does. Boulders want to go up there and they, they want to scale Bears Lodge. Um, they even ask that you don't take pictures of the prayer clause. But while we were there visiting, um, people of course did. Yeah. Explicitly. So, I mean, people don't fucking listen because indigenous american sacred sites are basically just a gimmick for white people full offense yeah full offense because pahasapa and bears lodge are very sacred to the people out there 
and these are still living people like a lot of these places when we went to visit them there were other folks out there on the powwow trail coming home so you know like drummers and dancers who had been out all summer doing ceremony coming home stopping at their sacred sites to get give thanks and so these people are watching all of us disrespect places where their ancestors have been for forever you know and even though I'm indigenous like I'm not from any of the plains people so I can't claim to have that attachment that's why I try to approach it with respect and if those folks say hey don't take pictures of this and don't climb on that I'm just going to be like sure that's just out of respect and just a little bit of background too um you may be thinking like why is it so important to call it Bears Lodge? Why is Devil's Tower considered so offensive? Like, it's not a slur, so on and so forth. Like, a bit of research that I did was, apparently on maps between 1874 and 1901, it was originally called Bears Lodge. Um, Bears Lodge, or Mato Tipi, but there were rumors of gold in that area, and so, of course like lieutenants and other people kind of flock to that area in hopes of finding it just so you guys know geographically it is just outside of Paha Sapa right outside of the border of South Dakota so they kind of so the region of the Black Hills has always been exploited for gold um so this is part of that and so in particular this this place Bears Lodge was thought to house a lot of gold and so um in a journal that was written, somebody translated it to Bad God's Tower rather than Bear's Lodge. And rather than calling it Bad God's Tower, it was just Devil's Tower. Because that would be our equivalent. We don't necessarily have a bad god in Christian religion. We just have God itself and then demons, devils, so on and so forth. Um, Yeah, that was honestly... So some translations I refer to as the least worst translation because English doesn't always have the capability to get conceptual languages well-defined or translated. But this one was straight up just a shitty translation. It was literally just a bad one because even, like, what I had read briefly online, and you can find it um, if you just look up, like, Devil's Tower and whatnot... The National Parks page shows up, and it does explicitly mention that it is in the process of being renamed to yeah, because because the National Park Service actually is supporting this change, this name change, because National Park Service is trying to do better to welcome and adhere to the customs of the people who have been land custodians since before national parks were even established. So this is not something that is actually going to offend or hurt anybody's feelings. This is literally something that most people agree should have been done forever ago. Yeah, and the National Parks doesn't have the capability to change the name. There's actually, which I found out in my research, the United States Board of Geographical Names. So only going through Congress and then going through the like the Board of Geographical Names can you get it changed that or like a president has to like explicitly name the change but we all know that our current president won't do that (laughs) so well 
the thing is, is so people are like, well, why does it matter so much? Well, Mount Denali being called McKinley. First off, nobody actually calls it McKinley. McKinley never even went to Alaska. Second of all, it already had a fucking name. Yeah. Nobody's changing anything. We're just calling it by what it was actually already called. You know what I mean? Y'all are the ones who have it twisted. That place was already called something. That's why we have names like the Sahara Desert, which is just the desert desert. The desertest desert. Literally. It, desert. it had a different name, and then we went there, and somebody, and we mistranslated somebody who was speaking Arabic, and we're like, oh, that desert's called the Sahara, and they're like, no, 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 we were just telling you that is a big desert. And we decided, rather than listening to the locals, to just keep calling it a desert. Basically. It's like the Rio Grande. You know that the folks down there definitely have a bed, better name for it than the Big River. You think? I'm pretty sure the indigenous people that people down there probably called it something way better. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, it's like being called your real name and then somebody else calling you some other name because they can't pronounce it it's literally not even kind of like that it's exactly like that it's, a, it's exactly like that but i was trying to soften my blow it's like when some person goes to teach in inner city schools and can't say shaniqua so they try to give them a fun nickname but really but like, it's just yeah. that they're bad at being an educator yeah that actually happened in my high school rather than my French teacher called this other black girl Dynasty, which really isn't a hard name. They would call their D-Nasty. And so that's what they referred to this girl as. I've got... Dynasty. I've got feelings, but anyways. The dynasty isn't difficult. No. But as far as names of places also go, there was literally a place, a mountain in Phoenix, Arizona, that's now been changed to Mount Pishqua. Is that what they call it? I don't have the name written down. I can't pronounce it. It's... One second, I got it in my notes. Yeah, it, it was originally Squaw Mountain. And yeah. then your, like, my pronouncing would be Pistewa. Pistewa? Yeah. yeah. Someone definitely knows the name of that and we're fucking it up. But they can tell us about it later. Because we will learn. Anyways, it was named literally a slur, and people had a problem with the name being changed for some reason. Honestly, when it comes to name changes of places that you literally aren't from, your ancestry has no ties there. American settlements in the Southwest are super duper new. Some of them aren't even a full hundred years old, but you want to pretend you're really that mad. So originally with either Pistola or Pistola Peak, um, the issue was that the tribe attempting to rename the place, I believe, they researched it, but it was unclear whether or not it was that particular peak or another one in the area. Mm -hmm. And so they voted to not pass the name change. And then it continued to basically be a slur. And then um, 
the second time that they combated the name change was after I think her name was Lori Pistewa. Mm-hmm. She was a soldier in the Iraq War and a member of the Hopi, and she was the first Native American woman to be killed. I want to say in the Iraq War and the first woman to be killed in the Iraq War, and so they voted to name the peak after her. But the only um, reason that was combated, I believe, was because they hadn't honored the wait five years after someone's death in order to rename it that. But I think it was voted like 12 to 11 or something like that. So, yeah, like they picked it. That's the rename and they can do it. And that was processed through the Board of Geographic Names. Yeah. So it's possible. So the thing is, is that um, bringing this back to places like Devil's Tower and Pahasapa, and there's probably many, many places just in the Black Hills that have been renamed and called things that are not really their name. There is a place for you to go to look that up and also to sign petitions to help people be able to just call their homes by what their homes are called. You know? I think that really want to talk about history and emphasize the importance of it then you actually need to acknowledge that there there is something outside of like the colonial west yeah history history isn't just um the civil war and the second world war guys there's like a lot of stuff in between and before and contemporarily that is not actually discussed and the factors of making this country in um, possession and dispossession of the land is the very first and biggest one to be discussed. So this is going to be something that we always come back to is the places that we're at have a history and the people there have a history. And there are things that they're still struggling with related to the land. And you cannot mention the Black Hills without mentioning People like the Lakota and the Cheyenne and the Crow and the Arapaho and some of the Blackfeet and I'm sure many other peoples whose nations I am forgetting because I don't have a list in front of me and that is 100% my fault. But so many people call that place home and many of our monuments that we consider really important like Mount Rushmore, Mount Rushmore, I can't even bear... I'm, I'm air quoting important, but things that we see as icons of American history are actually hugely offensive and make us as American people look super duper bad because the guy who carved and planned that, first of all, was an avid racist and a member of the Ku Klux Klan. Second of all, all those dudes owned slaves and helped commit genocide. Third of all, that was already a sacred place to the Lakota people. And... Now, it has the people who literally had them hung in droves in forts and had their children stolen from them and put into residential schools purposefully carved into one of their most sacred mountains. It's it's a little fucking insidious if you think about it. Yeah, so in order to do better, you must know better. Yeah, and you can start very easily with names of places. Yeah, and furthermore, it's not just the names, too. You also put on the agenda for today um, renewing the 
what is like medals of honor from custer yeah yeah i think i want to save that till i think i want to save that till wyoming slash montana because the little big horn is in wyoming and we got a lot to say about wyoming too fuck wyoming anyways you'll hear about that it's really pretty but other than that we have some feels yeah, no, but there's a lot of things, um, especially because national monuments and state parks tend to, state parks and national parks tend to be in tandem with each other, so you're going to find them very near each other most often. And uh, these places are very historically loaded, and it's pretty recent history. So we're especially going to talk about that when we discuss going to visit the, the Little Bighorn. Um, but for now, I'm just going to let that one lie. Yeah, that was a really interesting site, but I guess that'll be the next episode. Probably. Yeah. Um, what else did we learn in South Dakota? So many things. I didn't learn anything. (laughs) Um, did you want to talk about the dignity statue? Oh, yeah, we like the Dignity because Statue. Because that's relatively new, so if you haven't been out there since before 2014, the Dignity Statue is brand new. And it is a, a statue of a indigenous woman in a large ceremonial plains dress, and it stands at the over top of the hills just as you enter South Dakota. Yeah, so and it's, it's located in Chamberlain specifically, and it's a 50-foot-tall stainless steel statue. Um, it wasn't made by an indigenous artist. It was made by this man, uh, Dale Lamphere, who is from South Dakota. But it was it was made to mark the 125th an- anniversary of South Dakota statehood. Um and it was commissioned by the McKees in 2014, and it was officially erected in 2016. So to put something that big up in basically like a two-year time span is pretty cool. Yeah. It has like a little plaque at the bottom, and I think they plan to update that with a list of all the federally recognized indigenous tribes. I don't know if it's in that area specifically or if it's in general, but I mean, they're kind of making an effort. Well, also, I'd like to point out, especially for other Indigenous people who have um, read or heard of the report for missing and murdered Indigenous women, it is important and kind of a big hallmark for us to have the representation of a Native woman and have it called dignity, you know? Because a lot of times, uh, especially... So this episode is going to come out on the 28th, and Halloween is fun for white people. But for most everybody else, it's kind of loaded, and especially for black and indigenous people of color, because pretty often our regalia and our culture is um, hypersexualized, or... It's just a costume, it's a gimmick. It's, it's a gimmick, and people don't take it seriously, but the hypersexualization of Native American women is why one out of every three Native American women will be sexually assaulted in their lifetimes, and 82% of the perpetrators are white men. So I'm going to cut straight to the chase. The imagery that is portrayed of us is ending our lives. And so to have 
a large woman in traditional plains dress who is not hypersexualized to be recognized as dignity is a big deal. So, you know, you might just think that it's a statue, but South Dakota has a really ongoing violent history, especially in regards to the bodies of indigenous women. And so this, I hope, maybe continues with the trend of allowing there to be imagery outside of caricatures, like through masketry or through Pocahontas tropes and things like that to become more recognized as who we are as people than these things that have nothing to do with us, you know? very interesting to me that a lot of people will recognize Plains war bonnets across this country because of how we have how our culture has appropriated the symbol but actually doesn't know anything about the lives of Plains people or where they're actually from you know a lot of people see headdresses and think that that equals all native people. Well, I'm from a southeastern woodlands nation, and we were turbans predominantly because it was humid, you know what I mean? So people wore all kinds of different things, and the difference between the Tselaugi people and the Lakota people is actually a greater distance than there is between, like, France and England, and people can manage to recognize those as different cultures. So you could try a little here. Hey. Indigenous sovereignty. Rant over. I'm just letting you go, man. Well, that's what I'm saying, is that it's it's nice for there to be a positive monument. Wasn't built on top of something that was already considered sacred, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, they weren't like, well, the people who actually live here already said that they don't want anything put on this because their grandmother is buried here, but I've decided I'm going to honor them by doing whatever the fuck I feel like. So that would really be like that, though. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to take away If you care enough, and you can gather people to rally behind you, you can get names changed, and you can remove medals of honor, and you can spread your history, but you need to have an audience. And that's one of the hardest things. Right. And the thing about it... And the thing about it is... uh, We're going to be adding these... We're going to be adding things to the show notes so that y'all can actually go and do this. If you don't necessarily have the ability to physically participate in land curation, but you're interested in somehow helping indigenous people um, maintain their rights to lands that they have curated... Uh, since forever and um, ways to protect natural resources and not even natural resources just like the beauty of nature around us I hate referring to the world as a resource because it implies that it's just here for me to consume it when really we should just like take care of it because it's nice and we live here you know we're a part of this question mark you know, very few of us are actually going to be able to go live on Mars, so we really got to figure it out. Yeah, and I mean, if you wouldn't shit on your carpet in your living room, why are you going to burn down the place that you live? Uh, because people like driving their big trucks, Mari, don't you know? 
had a lot of feelings. Uh, speaking about cars, did you want to talk about oil changes, or do you just not care? Uh, let's do that in just a hot second. I'm going to go through and have us take a break and thank our patrons. Um, because right now we don't have any sponsors. But if we did have some sponsors, here would be the place where we would have them uh, listed. And we would probably talk about them right about now, I'm thinking. What do you think? Yep. Yeah. I don't usually think about anything, my friend. I... Fine. Alright. So, for now, because we don't have any sponsors, but hit us up. For real. Because we are young, broke, and beautiful, and we're just trying to see the world and interview people. Know what I mean? So, join our Patreon. Our Patreon is uh, the underscore rambler. It's a good place to find us. Find me on Insta- on Instagram, which is awkward rambler. Basically, all the money from our Patreon is going to go directly to funding our next trip. And we're hoping to either do the East Coast through the Deep South, drive to Alaska, or possibly Puerto Rico. Who knows? It's all in the air. The folks who have supported us, who continue to support us, we really, really appreciate. So I'm going to go through and say thank you to Caribe Indigena. Thanks a lot, Kayla. Chloe Bragg. Danny. I really wish I could pronounce that URL, so I'll come back to it. Amani, Kate Schramm. I said Kate Schramm last week because I forget that people have German last names, but I was wrong. Caitlin Crocker and Kima. So thanks, y'all, for supporting us and uh, continuing to be our patrons. Hopefully we can hear from more of y'all. We hope you'll be producing more content and putting it out. Um, this is how we're going to be able to continue to do the show. So thanks for listening. Yeah, more content, less dogs barking. More content, less Mustafa. He's the biggest pain. In terms of next on the agenda, I think you put down an oil change. Right. So, we're driving. We drove 8,000 miles. Your car is going to need some type of maintenance. And one of the things that we definitely know as women and as people of color is that you cannot necessarily trust mechanics. No. And there are some places that even if you could trust the mechanics, you wouldn't necessarily be able to stop there. Right. So my advice on that, so I'm lucky because I grew up in a household where I was taught how to work on cars. My dad was always working on our trucks in our backyard and I was always helping him. So I know a little something about how a car goes. So it's a little bit harder to pull the wool over my eyes. But I don't want to be stuck in Rapid City, South Dakota, arguing with somebody about whether or not they've ripped me off, you know. So um, we went to a Meineke to get my air filter, fuel filter, and oil changed. And the reason that I decided to do that was because... The thing about going to a place that is a company is that they have a set list of pricing and they have people who you can contact if something goes wrong. So you have to have a receipt. They oftentimes have itemized price lists so you can't really have somebody tell you 
one second that something is $60 and then come back and say that it was $360 because of blah, 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 X, Y, and Z. They don't have an itemized bill and you just have to pay it to get your car back. And on top of that, before they do any other work than what you came in to do... They have to stop and check with you. They have to stop and they have to check with you. So they can't just be working on your car and then suddenly they're like, oh, hey, by the way, way, your your bill's $150 and you're just like, um, excuse me, where did that come from? There is protection in company policy, I guess. It guarantees that no matter what a person's individual bias when they see you is, that they have to conduct themselves in a certain way. And if they don't, then you have a way to protect yourself from that. And especially because we're literally traveling as two women who are noticeably brown. We're both mixed, but nobody's ever walked up to us and been like, couple of Irish girls, right? Yeah, no freckles, no red hair, no extremely white passing skin, no Eurocentric features. Nah, we're brown. People know we're brown. We always been brown. So when people see us and then they see these titties, that's it. They It's a wrap. They don't want to listen to what we have to say about cars. They think I don't know shit because I roll up in a nice Lexus. But the reason why Lexus is still running is because a bitch knows how to maintain it. Thanks, Dad. Thank goodness my dad is actually never going to listen to this podcast because the amount of times that I admit that he was right would get me formally shamed. But a uh, shout out to that nice guy at Meineke. That dude was super great. He was so nice. He's he- from Colorado. Well, what was cool is that when he told us that we needed the air filter change, I was immediately, you don't really need, yeah, I was, you don't really need to get that done as often as people say you need to get it done. That's something that people upcharge you on pretty often, even when you can still use it. But he literally pulled it out and showed it to me, and it was so bad, it was starting to burn through. So it did need to be replaced, and it was massively affecting our gas mileage, and the reason we were able to ball on a budget is because we spent altogether like $750 in gas the whole trip. And that was because... Not super bad. We were getting like 230, 260 miles on a half gallon because we filled up when we hit the half. And that's just because we did the car maintenance in the beginning and and I bit the bullet and decided to do that because I wanted to be able to save money in other places. And the fact of the matter was... Getting my air filter changed and getting my oil changed at that point in the trip. I need to get it done now, just now, after the trip. So it was worth the 90 bucks because we literally drove most of the trip on that. And it kept the car from breaking down on us. And it kept me from ending up having transmission uh, issues at the end. Because what y'all don't really know about cars is... When you drive really far, even if you got an oil change, you need to put extra oil in there because it's running really, really hot. And you will bust a a piston through your transmission. And once your transmission is gone, you might as well scrap the car because it's going to cost you more to replace a transmission than it is going to be for you to get rid of that bitch. And if you're brown and particularly like a brown woman. We're not getting stuck in nowhere. Hell no. You can't be stuck. In the middle of nowhere. That, that's not a luxury that will be afforded to you. And I mean, even if you were fortunate enough to get stuck in, like, a national park, because a place like Yellowstone does actually have an auto shop and it does have a gas station, it's super expensive. Yeah. In parks. Like, incredibly expensive for gas. Especially for very popular ones. Yeah. It's expensive. They're going to upcharge you because they know that you need 
that. Not that we're blaming them because that's basically the only way that they have funding because our government yeah, puts all of their money. money. But I mean, if you don't have a lot of money to begin with, if you're trying to make a, a trip as long as ours, mm-hmm. it's very smart. No. Know what type of oil you need to put in your engine. Make sure that your tires are safe. Sometimes it's even nice to switch out your windshield wipers because I didn't do that and that's probably why that damn windshield was so dirty the whole time. You know, small preventative methods are going to save you a lot of time in the end. So yeah, at the beginning of the trip, I was like, oh shit, it sucks for me to drop $90. But we ended up saving more than $90 in gas because I did that. Know your investment. And the things that we chose to go big on were the things that we were going to spend the most money on. So we paid $80 for our state park pass, but that's the reason we were able to camp for so low. Cutting our costs that way for traveling meant that we got to spend money eating whatever we wanted, buying whatever we wanted, and doing whatever we wanted. And you know what else helped? Menards. Oh, man. A bitch loves a Menards. Menards is so nice. We're Menards stands in this household. I wouldn't turn down a Menards sponsorship. Also, that's how we got firewood so freaking cheap. It's true. So something to know about when you camp in state parks is they charge you about $8 for a bundle of wood. But if you find a Menards, you get the same wood from the same region for $5. It's literally oftentimes the same brand even. And also... Yeah. One of the things that we ended up saving a lot of money on was firewood because people don't always burn it down. And often if times if they're just camping for a day, they don't even uh, burn a full cord of wood. So they just leave it behind. So like that one, several times we ended up getting like full two cords of wood stacks for our fires and didn't even have to buy any wood. So sometimes it's just smart to just snoop around a little bit. Yeah, just go dig around. And when you get into like really sappy wood that they're selling to, you're going to need something that's been burned down just a little bit, but not completely. Because otherwise... Pine burns hot and long, but it burns low. So it doesn't necessarily put out the kind of heat that you want to keep yourself warm or to cook food. And since we cooked on a fire, that was something that we worried about. Hard saying. You're skipping again. That's another thing. Prepared. Be prepared to just go camping and just not want to come back ever. Yeah. I don't know whether or not that's a tip or whether or not that's just a personal truth. No, that's that's not a tip. That's a warning. That's just like if you get released onto the woods, you're not gonna want to come back. You know what? People always wondered why I am the way I am, but I was raised basically feral, and now you understand why I'm so anxious all the time. Yeah, I can't be in a house. Not me. No time for climbing mountains and finding rocks in the city, boys. No, not at all. Well, that's it, and that's that. That's all she wrote. Yeah, oh, also a couple of things that we found at Menards that we should talk about that I'm forgetting, but are a couple of tent-related tips. We got extra long stakes. They were about a foot long, which is super useful because in places where it's really, really windy, your tent will get picked up. So we needed those. And then I also got the tarp for underneath the tent. For those of you who have gone camping but haven't really gone major extended camping, you know how you wake up in the morning and you're a little bit damp when you're in a tent? It's just because the moisture from the ground slowly seeps seeps into the tarp and then, like, 
your breath and breathing also condenses in the tent but if you lift yourself up off the ground by folding a tarp underneath your tent a little bit you stay a lot drier and it also happen it also helps if it's raining a lot because then it doesn't pour into any little seam holes you have in your tent so I highly recommend the tarp layer. Yes, and if you have the extra long stakes and you put that out, like you, you stake the tent out pretty far so that it's nice and it's taut, the water's just going to drip off. Yeah. So that's not in combination with the tarp. And we got, and we, we were in a night where we really should have gotten waterlogged and that ended up working out for us. Oh yeah, in Colorado? Yeah, that was wild. Yeah. Whenever it floods and sand you know it's raining a lot yeah yeah possibly too much oh yeah that was a hell of a day um is there any other are there any other tips that we wanted to go over today i don't think so i think well i'm not sure how we should end things because we don't have music yet so do we just say goodbye goodbye listen to vultures of culture by nako and medicine for the people it's a really fucking good song it's the song of the day it's the song of the episode i'm declaring it you you've heard it here first folks (laughs) literally listen to the song it's really good and also listen to us follow us on patreon come support us so that we can keep doing this interact with us send me a message on instagram if there's anything that you would like to know or if you find any of our tips to be helpful or if you have any questions because we're thinking up these tips as we go but we know we figured out a lot of things along the way that we're not necessarily recalling very well so if you want to know anything specifically hit us up yeah and do us a favor go on a hike go camping yeah go feral go outside Go do some wood rat shit with your wood rat friends. Absolutely. All right. Till next time. Bye. Bye.